Chapter Twelve of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter Twelve Trevor Trelawney. On the whole, Colonel Trelawney was pleased with his son Trevor. He found him to be a tall, handsome young fellow, gentlemanly in appearance, and a smart officer his commanding officer while not enthusiastic spoke well of him and expressed the opinion that he might settle down to a capable reliable man he had borne the rank of captain during the war but after the armistice he with thousands of others had been reduced in rank the commanding officer hinted that he was inclined to take things easy and was rather extravagant although in this respect he was no worse than many others father and son had spent the day together and the colonel had been introduced to most of trev's fellow-officers years before the colonel had been stationed in plymouth and it was a great delight to him to visit the scenes among which he had lived during a part of his early manhood he had thrown off the anxious thoughts which had beset him during the last few days and became quite gay trevor was very proud of his father he found that the colonel was regarded as a very big man and more than once he heard it hinted that it was quite on the carpet that he would soon be general still he did not feel quite at ease in his society there was something which he did not quite understand it was true he was genial and kindly but his every word and gesture convinced his son that he was a man who looked on anything like delinquency with a grave eye i'm sorry you have to go to ireland to-morrow remarked the colonel as the two sat in the dining-room of the hotel yes it's a bit of a nuisance assented trevor i have to go to a most ungodly hole too there are no decent people living in the district and so everything like social amenities will be cut off that's natural replied the colonel no soldier who goes to ireland in these days can have an easy time the country is practically in a state of revolution still i hope i shall get a bit of hunting i should judge not if what i hear is true i shall have a good try anyhow but how to get a decent mount will be a difficult question i shan't be able to take my own horse with me your own horse queried the colonel yes replied trevor somewhat uneasily i was obliged to get one you know i was frightfully lucky too a beautiful thing he is just rising five and hasn't a single vice i got him dirt cheap too i only bought him two days ago you see i had to decide rather in a hurry if i hadn't bought him another fellow would and i felt the bargain was too good to miss you haven't got the bill i suppose haven't got the bill i told him to send it to you told who the fellow i bought it from i don't understand 
of course i ought to have written but as i told you the horse was for sale dirt cheap and half a dozen fellows wanted him i've had an awful time there's some very good hunting a few miles from here and hiring horses has been bankruptcy besides some of the things i've had to ride have been just bone shakers practically no good at all that's why i bought this one and you told the man from whom you bought it to send the bill to me of course remarked trev glad as he remarked afterwards that he'd got the thing off his chest and may i ask how much you gave for it six hundred replied the son the chap asked eight but of course i wasn't going to have that still horse flesh is jolly dear and you expect me to pay for it of course replied trev coolly then let me tell you at once my boy that i can't afford to do so but sir that's ridiculous it's a fact anyhow but i can't get out of it and of course a fellow must have a horse must he well i didn't when i was your age and what was more i lived on my pay of course that's impossible no not impossible although it was very hard in these days now that the pay is so much better it can be done quite comfortably comfortably why it doesn't pay one's wine bills indeed that must be very awkward for you jolly awkward i can assure you but for the mater i should have been in a bad way even as it is trev hesitated at this point yes said the colonel quietly even as it is well you see father replied trevor who was very nervous although he tried to speak carelessly army pay is a mere bagatelle and no fellow of any position can afford to live on it indeed i thought it very good especially when it is compared to that which i received as a lieutenant however you say your mother helped you yes she did i i couldn't have done without it trev my boy said the colonel do you realize that you have made things very hard for your mother how can that be of course i know you are well off i'm not badly off although anything but a rich man when i left home i thought i had arranged liberally for all expenses but as you know the cost of everything has more than doubled that was why your mother found it hard to send you money and why she couldn't send john on to the varsity in fact the boy went to work in order to keep things going of course i'm sorry remarked trev still jack wouldn't mind he's never so happy as when he's mucking about with engineering things but about those bills of mine what bills you mean that for the horse yes that and other things the truth is i'm jolly hard up and the man at cox's wasn't at all decent do you mean that you are in debt of course i am and trev coolly cut off the end of an expensive cigar you see 
he went on a man must live like a gentleman and you can't get a decent bottle of champagne for less than champagne interrupted the colonel do subalterns buy champagne when they belong to the set i'm in whatever the colonel might have said was cut short by the appearance of a porter behind his chair colonel trelawney sir yes you are wanted on the telephone sir this way please the colonel followed the man to the telephone booth yes who is it he called it's i john was the reply yes my boy is anything the matter do you think you could catch the midnight train home tonight, Dad? I wish you could. The midnight train home? Yes. I think you ought to be here. Why is anything wrong? I'm afraid there's a lot wrong. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Go on. Tell me quickly. It's Eleanor and Peg. Yes, what of them? They went out directly you had left last night, and didn't come home till the early hours of the morning. Unfortunately, I had to be at the works early this morning. I've, I've something rather important on there. When I got home this evening, I found they'd been out all day. They haven't come home yet. And your mother? asked the colonel. She's terribly bothered, replied the boy. You see... Perhaps there's nothing serious, interrupted the colonel. From what your mother says, they've often done that kind of thing. Yes, I know, but mother had to go out for an hour or so this afternoon, and when she got back, she went to their rooms, and she says that nearly all their things are gone. Their things? Yes, their clothes and that sort of thing. And what do you think? I hardly know what to think, but I'm afraid they've left home. You mean for good? That's what I fear. And have you done anything? Yes, sir. First of all, I went to Camden Town, where that fellow Barnes's people live. Well, it was a bit awkward. I hardly knew what to say to them, or how to ask questions, but I felt sure they knew something. Did they tell you anything? No, I could get nothing definite, but I feel certain they knew that Peg had left home. They are a funny lot, but they would tell me nothing. I did my best, sir, and I don't think I gave myself away. Then I tried to find out about Eleanor. About Eleanor, yes. I went to that club, where the woman Corey is a member, but she wasn't there, and no one seemed to know when she was likely to turn up. Just as I was leaving, however, she came to the club, and I asked her point-blank if she'd seen my sister. And had she? She wouldn't tell me, but I'm sure she had. I asked her a lot of questions which she tried to evade, and that's as far as I've got. I thought you ought to know. I'm sorry if I've made a mess of it. I'm sure you've done everything you could do, my boy. Have you told your mother? Yes, sir. I've told her everything. She's all right, but she badly wants you. Of course, you understand? Yes, I understand. Tell her I'll catch the midnight train. Comfort her all you can, my boy. Yes, sir. Don't worry. 
we'll manage somehow when the colonel hung up the receiver he stood for a minute like a man stunned then a great wave of pity passed over him little peggy the child he had romped and played with the happy turbulent wilful yet loving little thing he had so often put to bed to run away from home for the sake of a fellow like that no no it couldn't be true and yet how could her disappearance be explained why had both the girls taken their belongings they must have determined on this for some time had he done right had he made sufficient allowance for the new spirit of the age ought he not to have been less firm more gentle more lenient with them mightn't things have turned out better if he had let them drift with the tide but no that was impossible he would have been violating everything sacred and true if he had countenanced what he felt to be wrong fatally and inherently wrong even although the attitude he had adopted had ended so disastrously he could not repent of it poor little alice he said aloud and tears came to his eyes and a sob to his throat as the words escaped him it will break her heart but no it can't be true and john will do all that's possible while i am away anyhow thank god for john he's a fine lad the thought of john made him remember that his eldest son was waiting for him yes they had been discussing trevor's extravagant ideas when he had been called to the phone what a difference in the two boys you've been a long time away sir remarked trev on his return nothing the matter i hope the colonel did not reply he would have liked to have taken his eldest son into his confidence but he felt he could not perhaps their conversation during dinner had not been of a nature to inspire confidence i find it necessary for me to go home to-night he said presently there are matters in london that require immediate attention oh is that all remarked trev but your train won't start for another hour and i would like to settle up these money matters before you go i wish you could let me have a fairly fat check what do you mean by a fat check a thousand would put me quite straight replied trev i could then pay the fellow for the horse and settle up a few other things it wouldn't leave me much but at any rate i should owe nothing trev remarked the colonel do you realize what you are saying i think i do sir replied the son with an uneasy laugh i have my doubts about it your mother has given me an idea of what she has already advanced you and now you coolly ask for a thousand pounds do you know that up to now you have cost me more than all the others put together is that fair do you think that's the right way to put it sir i know of no other way to put it do you know your extravagance has robbed john of the chance of going to oxford that in order to keep you he has had to work in a motor engineer's shop 
look at the matter squarely i am anything but a rich man but what i have i hope to divide equally among my children if i were to give you a cheque for a thousand pounds as you desire i should simply rob from the others by that amount would that be fair trev was silent what you ask is simply impossible went on the colonel impossible sir impossible i can't spare the money trev muttered something about the absurdity of such a statement the truth is my son i can just afford you an allowance of one hundred and fifty pounds a year no more you must make that do thousands of fellows in your position have only their pay to live on and they do with it you will have to get rid of your silly extravagant notions that kind of talk simply drives a fellow to borrow from his tailors or from the money-lenders remarked the son of course if a fellow hasn't decent pride that is the kind of thing he would do retorted the colonel anyhow that's the position but what am i to do these people to whom i owe money are constantly dunning me besides what about the horse i don't want to be unreasonable said the colonel although i confess to being a bit worried do you know that your brother lives on the wages he earns and won't take a penny more oh i'm sick of hearing about him snapped trev mother used to be always telling me what the pattern boy did besides he's cast in that mould he was always contented to be a day labourer but if a man has the tastes of a gentleman he must pay for them certainly if he can replied the father tartly but in my opinion a gentleman whatever his tastes should live within his means i am awfully sorry to have to talk like this on our first day together but it is always well to get a right understanding this is what i am prepared to do if you will send me these bills you owe i will see what can be done with them awfully decent of you i'm sure sir of course that includes the horse and trev spoke eagerly no was the reply you can't afford to keep a horse but but i say sir when trev left his father half an hour later he was much subdued i had no idea he would take it like that he reflected dash it he doesn't give a man a chance and the worst of it is he knows the ropes so thoroughly that he's always putting one in the wrong as for the colonel he made his way to millbay station with a sad heart the day to which he had looked forward so eagerly was ending in gloom his conversation with his eldest son had been anything but satisfactory but it was not trev who was his chief trouble just now after all the question of money might be met but how could he deal with the horror which john's message had called up all through the night he tried to fasten upon some plan of action but he seemed to be met with a no thoroughfare on every road he took he was not so much troubled about eleanor as about peggy 
he believed that john had been right in his summing up of eleanor's character and that she was not likely to come to any irrevocable harm she was cold calculating and not easily moved by sudden influences but peggy was different she was younger she was passionate and wilful and she was careless about consequences how can i save her he asked himself again and again how can i make her see that she's ruining her life he might be too late even now his child might have taken steps that would be fatal god help me he prayed again and again help me to save my little maid at length the train swept into the london terminus and he had just signalled a taxi-driver when he felt a touch on his arm john cried the colonel this is good of you is is there anything new not much replied john but i thought you wouldn't mind my coming to meet you end of chapter twelve